everybody and welcome to Nutty Buddy Sports and on today's episode Clint and I talk about winners and losers of the NFL draft and then we shift our focus to the NBA playoffs. We talk about the second round series including the Bucks win over the Celtics and the Warriors beating the Memphis Grizzlies. That's coming up right here right now on Nutty Buddy Sports. Welcome back, everybody, to Nutty Buddy Sports. I am your host, Ryan. And on today's episode, we are going to talk about the draft. We're going to pick a couple winners and losers uh, in our opinions as far as the, the draft goes. And then we're going to talk a little bit about the NBA playoffs. We got to see uh, two games today. Um, in order to do that with me, to get this done, to make the podcast more fun, we're going to have a conversation. And to do that with me is Clint. Clint, how's it going? fired up yeah <laughs> it's probably better we waited till after game one but no excited the draft happened so everyone has hope with that second round of the playoffs so now it's kind of like real basketball starts and everything yeah yeah and and both I, I felt like both games in the in the nba were were fun to watch so i think it's gonna give us a i mean it's just a uh foresight well no what's the right word like a glimpse in how these series could be. It could be both real fun series is what I'm trying to say. I think so too. Okay. Well, let's, uh, let's so go back to the NFL. Let's start there. Let's talk about draft winners and losers. We'll start there. Uh, Clint, uh, why don't you start with either a winner or loser that you had on uh, draft night or um, weekend? We'll, sure. We'll just, I'll start with a winner. Um, it's it stayed kind of the same as when we talked, I think that was late Thursday night. But I really like what the Jets did, their whole overall approach, um, especially, I mean, I don't know anyone who's a Jets fan, but if you have been a Jets fan for years and just been spinning the wheels or going backwards, and it seems like um, maybe even last year, they took a little bit of a, a false start of trying to bring in a couple guys that maybe they thought could speed them up, but uh, they were patient with the draft when they moved up. Um, they made some good choices. So I think you definitely win. I mean, of course, with the draft, anyone can totally flame out. But on paper, the way they're going, uh, I would be encouraged if I was a Jets fan. Yeah, I agree. I like, and as a Dolphin fan, obviously, I want to push back, but I'm not going to because they did have a really good draft. I like that they got a, a weapon and um, Garrett Wilson for uh, um, Zach Wilson. You pair him with Elijah Moore and Corey Davis. I think that trio is a real nice um, trio of pass catchers for a young rookie. I, I, I kind of wish they would have gone a little bit more offensive line because I felt like, again, like Zach Wilson was one of those rookie quarterbacks. There was a couple in the, in the draft last year that got drafted into bad offensive line situations on their team. And I felt Zach Wilson and the jets uh, were one of them, but I guess we'll see what happens there. But overall I'm with you. They had a really good draft. Yeah. And you hate to uh, you're putting extra pressure on Zach Wilson. Now. I mean, he's, he has to look better than he did last year, but that makes it difficult. Um, with the bad offensive line. And I, I could see them having a kind of a hot start to the year because they got all these weapons. They'll go with the short passing game. But, you know, after three or four weeks, teams get tape on what you're doing different from last year. And, um, you know, hopefully for them, that's not what happens. But I would agree. You, 
like the Lions have done kind of the opposite. You're doing interior work and then building out, but the Lions don't have their franchise quarterback yet. So it's risky, but I do like at least the talent grab, and you'll find out pretty quick if Zach Wilson is actually uh, worthy of the pick he was. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Okay, well, that's actually a good segue into uh, my first winner, which is the future quarterback of the Detroit Lions. Uh, whoever they end up drafting next year or, you know, getting. Uh, I felt like they had a good draft this year and they're building the team uh, so that when they find their quarterback, they can basically place him in there and succeed. Uh, they traded up for Jamison Williams. Now, at, at all reports say that he will be ready for training camp. So even though he, I think he tore his ACL, um, but he'll, he should be ready. They uh, got Aiden Hutchinson, which was a, a, you know, really good pickup in my opinion to both bolster the uh, defensive line. And I also like the the wide receiver they got later on as well. So I think I think they're doing a really good job of building the team in the image of their coach and building from the inside out. And I think that whoever ends up being the future quarterback of the Detroit Lions, it's going to be a good spot to start their career. I would agree. So do you think uh, Jared Goff, this is his last year, or they, I don't know what his contract is after this year. I think he's running out of guaranteed money. So, right. So this is the last year where he's guaranteed. So I think that's why they were willing to wait one more year before. So they can pick him up next year and then they can pick him up the year after that. But this year is guaranteed. So if they wanted like a bridge quarterback, they can even keep him the following year if they, after they draft a quarterback or whatever, but yeah, yeah, I think that's what their plan was. Well, maybe you'll have the lions fans worst nightmare and Jared Goff will look really good this year. And they will be like, maybe he's the guy. <laughs> well, don't laugh because um, Jared Goff showed that he can have glimpses of fooling teams into thinking that he can be a super bowl quarterback because he did help the Rams get to the super bowl. So it would be Lion Lions ask if he had like a nine and eight year this year. And then like the coaching staff's like, Oh yeah, we got our guy. And then he just falls apart after that. So um, yeah. Okay. What about your next uh, team or whatever you want to talk about? So my next winner, I'll go with Baltimore. I, I mean, they usually draft fairly good, but I like how they're, they're patient. Um, and when they make a move, you know, they usually find good value at it. You know, they usually don't go after a Ravens draft and be like, oh, they reached, oh, they reached. They just kind of sit back and not a much leaks out of there what they're up to when they come up and snag um, some really good players. And they have a good base, but uh, I like how they approach team building and they're not just rushing it and trying to throw things against the wall and they don't seem to take big risks. So um, as a person who, when I play fantasy football, cause it's exactly the same as we all know, right, um, right. <laughs> not, not a big risk taker myself. So uh, I like how they take that approach and they always end up with, I uh, can't remember his name. Now I'm trying to look at my phone, the safety that fell to a 14 or 15 or whatever, but you know, he was higher and supposed to go a little higher. He falls and he ends up on Baltimore who needs a safety and usually is fairly good at developing them. So I, I like their approach. Yeah. Kyle Hamilton is uh, who you're thinking of. And he, you're, you're right. I think that uh, before the pro day or the, um, 
what is it? It's combine before the combine. He was supposed to be like a top three pick. Like a lot of t- people had him up there. The lions were mocked in a lot of people's drafts to take him number two. So uh, he fell down, which I think sometimes uh, teams fall in love with these scouting combines and they forget like playing football and pretending to be a triathlete are two different things, you know? Um, but I'm with you. And they also got the best interior lineman, according to most uh, scouts and draft Nick experts. And then they also got that pass rusher out of uh, um, Michigan, which I was kind of hoping he would fall to the Lions. He was one pick away and I thought they could get the, the duel right out of Michigan, which would have been fun. But that, that's OK. He went to a good team. The only question I have for you is this when it comes to Ravens, because I did not put them as like I thought about them. But so they trade Hollywood Brown. My question is, what, who, who is his Lamar going to be throwing the ball to other than Andrews? Uh, yeah, I would agree. I mean, Rashad Bateman showed signs last year. Maybe they see something, what they saw in him last year is more, um, and Mark Andrews. But outside of that, I mean, maybe they're going to, their plan is to bring in Jarvis Landry or something or swing mm-hmm. some kind of a trade. Um, but on the offensive side, Right. You're, you're kind of looking at like, okay, we improved our line. You know, the running backs, they always have good running back depth. Um, but Lamar Jackson isn't the greatest pocket passer anyhow. And now you're, you're down to Mark Andrews. And what was it? I think it was that Packers game. Like it was an exciting game, but when you know it has to go to Mark Andrews five yards from the end zone or on a two point conversion, right? Like you're limited. So Correct. Um, that could come up and bite them. I would assume they're going to try to bring in a veteran. Maybe if the Seahawks are going to give up on Tyler Lockett, that's a spot for him. Jarvis Landry still out there. Like some of those guys, I think it's going to have to be their fallback or they're going to go in really thin. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I also think that like even offensive linemen, they kind of needed, they did get that center though. Like, well, like we mentioned, so maybe that'll kind of make things or fix things for them a little bit. So Anyway, um, my I'm, I'm going to go negative here. I'm going to give you my first loser. I'm going to go Justin Fields is my first loser of the uh, draft. Unfortunately, I like Justin Fields. Uh, obviously, we don't know if he can play the quarterback position in the NFL yet. A lot of Bears fans. So, uh, Gavin, if you're listening, sorry, man, um, <laughs> are really hopeful. But I just like this draft. They did not do too much to help them. They didn't have a good offensive line last year. Uh, they didn't really get any young op- seventh round pick. They drafted a center, but we all know how that works in the NFL. They waited till the third round pick to draft a wide receiver that Jones Jr. But what I hear is he's more of like a special teams type talent, like, you know, a punt kick returner type gadget type player. So even wide receivers, like they didn't add anything to really help Justin Fields. So like the bears did the opposite that I feel like, um, you know, the jets, which we were talking about, they where the jets went and got a couple pieces to help Zach Wilson, the, the jets, I mean, the bears didn't do that for Justin Fields. So to me that Justin Fields is kind of a loser after this weekend's draft. Yeah. The bears, I don't know. I, they're one of those teams. I feel like they can't help themselves. <laughs> you know, they, <laughs> That's they drug their feet too long, switching, getting rid of their coach and GM. Then they get Justin Fields and I, I, it makes sense to move on from, 
Allen Robinson. Like you're not right, compete, but you know the way they went about the draft. You're like, I mean, okay, uh, some of the picks are fine, but you're already one year behind because <laughs> you didn't fix that. And your you know your goal when you have a rookie quarterback is you know if he's if he shows something that they liked, which he he showed some signs last year, like year two, year three you got to kind of ramp it up before you got to pay him $40 million a year, which if he's, if he's as good as you think he's going to be $40 million a year. And then that door kind of closes on, you know, really improving your team, um, you know, through free agency. So yeah, that, I don't know, it's, it's the bears and they'll find their way. Uh, I was talking with some friends and we were joking that uh, I don't think the lions will be last in the division next year. I think it's actually going to be the bears, unfortunately, but um, I just, and I'm not a big Justin Fields fan anyhow, but I just, it, it's weird. Yeah. I, I don't know how good he, he's going to be. Like, I think there's potential there, but the problem is, is in order to tap in that p- potential, any rookie quarterback is you got to make life easy for them. And you can't, I mean, you got to have good pass catchers and you got to have a good offensive lineman linemen, and you need to have a solid run game, you know, a couple, at least two of those three, just to make it a little easier for rookie quarterbacks. I just don't see how they're making life easy for Justin Fields right now. Yeah. And you don't want him to run too much. Like I mean, he got hurt a couple of times last year and that's a great weapon of his and you want to use it when needed. But if his default is going to be to have to run because we have Darnell Mooney and, um, a cloud of dust and either that or we turn around and hand it to David got Montgomery. You're like, I don't know. He's going to end up running too much. And then you're, you're, you're setting back another year. So I would agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with that as well as what you mentioned too. You can't, you can't rely on those two guys. Okay. Let's uh, let's go. uh, Well, you got another winner or loser for us. I'll jump to a loser and that would be the Patriots. I know I'm going against the great Bill Belichick, but um, one of the things I use from sharp football, Warren Sharp is he has a list of the most overdrafted or underdrafted players. And through the first four rounds, the Patriots were on here, all, almost all, what are they, they have three picks, three of their picks are on here, just totally reaching and it, their first round pick, like, okay, you need a guard, but you literally traded your guard to Tampa Bay. And he was only making what, seven, $8 million a year right. to draft yep. a guy who, even if he's, close to the same player you're not saving a ton of money he's a first round pick and you know what you're just kind of resetting but i'm i don't know and you know it's probably good they didn't draft a receiver because they can never draft quality receivers anyhow but they seem to this year really reach for these guys and fall in love and again you're going against bill belichick maybe uh we're all going to look dumb in two years and it's going to be one of the greatest drafts ever but when you look at it and you're like, I get you like a guy, but when you pick a guy like 57 spots, according to this metric, above where he should go, you're like, I mean, all right, if he's good, did you really get value though? Yeah, that, that's the, the thing I always struggle with a draft is, uh, so he apparently the uh, guard you're talking about is uh, Cole Strange. He, he was, I guess, had a third round value. Like teams are, I guess there was a clip of Sean McVay, the Rams uh, coach and GM. They were kind of laughing when he got picked because they're like, well, why did we scout him thinking we could get him at pick 104 or something like that? And so 
it, it was definitely a reach. I, I had the Patriots as a loser as well. I didn't know if I wanted to say it out loud, though, because if this is in the uh, social media ether of any sort, it will probably come back to haunt us. But um, I did like that they seem to be going a little bit to the direct, uh, direction of like speed because they did draft, I think, the fastest wide receiver and the fastest running back in the draft. Now, will that work out for them? Like you said, the history of uh, Bill Belichick drafting wide receiver is very, um, um, well, underwhelming to say the least. It hasn't been very good. But I also thought drafting a quarterback in the fourth round uh, Bailey Zippy. I have never heard of that dude from Western Kentucky. And I'm like, didn't you just get Mac Jones last year? Like, why are we getting a quarterback? You know, I'm not a Patriots fan, but you know what I'm saying? Like, why would you draft a quarterback if, uh, if you, 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 you're on your rookie quarterback and then they drafted two running backs, which I also think is kind of weird because I'm just like running backs are a dime a dozen. You don't you get one that you might want in the draft, but you don't need to be, that isn't a position I feel like you should be drafting more than one of in a draft. But anyway, so yeah, I agree with you. They, they, they were a loser to me. And again, like you said, we're betting against the Patriots, which doesn't the last 20 years hasn't paid off. But if, if you look at the AFC, uh, not many teams got worse. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of talent went to the AFC. And if you're the Patriots, you just stayed the same maybe got a little better depending on if you your speedy wide receiver can do more than just run straight long and hope that Mac Jones can throw it far enough. So I don't know. I just, if, if you're a team that has that rookie quarterback and you believe in Mac Jones, like you said, drafting a quarterback in the fourth round is like, okay, it's the fourth round, but you can get a lot of guys in the fourth to just take, take a guy in the fifth or sixth round and just throw him back there. And you have Brian Hoyer to, Right, a game or two. It just, yeah, I don't, I don't know what that one either. Because if Mac Jones is good, if he's the fifteenth pick and you believe in him, um, backup is going to be irrelevant for the next ten or fifteen years if he's that guy. So, but again, Bill Belichick, Zippy, McStuffings, whatever his name is, probably <laughs> going to come in next year and win win ten games. He's going to Matt Castle us next year, and he, Bill Belichick's going to be doing that wrestling walk out of the tunnel. Yeah, yeah, he'll do the discount ch- double check move <laughs> for Aaron Rodgers. Okay, let me go to my uh, my second winner. I have Kenny Pickett as the second winner. Uh, my second winner. I just think if you're a rookie quarterback, if for all the teams that needed a quarterback and that drafted a quarterback, that you you would think okay, they're going to start on like the. Uh, commanders drafted a quarterback the falcons drafted a quarterback and tennessee drafted a quarterback if i could pick any situation to land in it would have been the steelers they're a great organization their team isn't very far away they have to build their offensive line a little bit uh, but they have a solid receiving core they also drafted two wide receivers that kelvin austin he's supposed to be a really solid wide receiver got him in the fourth round i guess there was off the field problems which is i think like what the the Steelers do best is they get like Martavius Bryant and Antonio Brown and all these guys that might, but they take chances and they always seem to pan out. So I don't know. I I just feel like if I'm a quarterback and I get put in that situation, I'm pretty happy. And because he was in uh, college, right. In Pittsburgh as in college, he doesn't have to move very far. Right. So I think if, 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 if I'm a quarterback, Kenny Pickett, I want to be a Pittsburgh Steelers. So he's a winner in my, in my uh, 
weekend of the draft, in my opinion. Yeah, for sure. And he doesn't have to have the pressure to play this year. And if he does get thrown in, everyone will be happy because that means Mitch Trubisky is still Mitch Trubisky. Um, and like you said, they always come up with some good wide receivers that they draft. And it's a good organization. So they will take the proper precautions, proper steps to make sure that they're just not throwing them out there to uh, run around like a chicken with his head cut off. Yeah, correct. So really the Steelers will have the best of both worlds. They get to choose between uh, Mitchell Trubisky or, or Kenny Pickett. So (laughs) whoever wins that, that's going to be great for them. Okay. Uh, You got another one for us. All right. I think, I think I've done two winners and one loser. So I'll finish up my winners and I'm going to totally zag based on our last podcast, but I will in fairness to try and being fair. I will give the Packers a win for their overall draft simply because this is my insight. So my wife's best friend, her dad, they live in Montana and he's a total college football junkie and North Dakota state plays Montana all the time. And he sends me his breakdown of all these uh, small school guys. And he's a big believer in Watson. I'll give him the win. He seems like the guy that they need big, fast. They drafted a couple receivers. Again, first round, I think they reached a little bit for the um, their linebacker from Georgia there, Quay, Quay, Quay. But I'll give them a win. They got a couple receivers. They addressed some needs. I was reading a few things. Their last couple picks were special teams, pretty much special teams only guy, which they needed. Yeah, so. desperately, yeah. But I'll give them the win on the look. Basically, to me, it comes down to is Aaron Rodgers going to trust this dude or not? Like, I think the Packers, they've reached the point where they're like, you complained about receivers. We're going to draft a dude that you think he would like. He's 6'4". He's fast. He's a big dude. Here's your dude. Make it work. Yeah, so I have some thoughts on, I guess we, we might as well talk about them so you're, you're talking about walker the inside linebacker out of georgia that they draft in the first round you're kind of iffy on yeah i said his first name wrong yeah yeah that's okay uh, i did like the watt pick uh wyatt i should say i like the wyatt pick um although i still think they should have drafted a wide receiver in the first round here's the problem so i was really hard on the lions the year they draft jeff Fokuda because they traded away darius slay and then they drafted jeff Fokuda, and this team is supposed to be like at this time it was in the Matt Patricia era and they're trying to sell us on we're a playoff team and stuff. It's like, how does that help you get at a playoff when you go from something that you know to something that you don't know, you're just getting rid of good players. I am very happy that the Packers finally drafted a wide receiver in the first three rounds uh, or first, first two rounds of the draft, something they haven't done since like 2016. Okay. And I want to just make one thing really clear because I had a friend text me about like, uh, you know, we went on a little bit of a, a rant. I, I did really <laughs> a rant on the Packers about not drafting wide receivers. And he sent me a list of some of the past catchers that they drafted over the years, you know, Jordy Nelson, James Jones, Donald driver Jennings, and then uh, Lazard was undrafted. Um, uh, but my, my main thing has been with the green Bay Packers and wide receivers is since 2016, they've only drafted one receiver in the top three rounds. And that was last year. Okay. Um, 
you've had Devonte Adams since 2015 he's been great but he's always needed another guy Aaron Rodgers needed another guy and you're putting your faith in these fourth fifth round receivers most of them don't even last three years in the NFL if they're not productive in three to four years receiver is the most transferable position in my opinion maybe running back you could put up there too from college to the NFL if you're good uh in college and you're you should be good in the NFL fairly quickly to know that you're going to make it right. That's, that's, that's my thinking on it. If you're not productive at the wide receiver position in three and three to four years, you got to move on. And they, and then they, they, they pick up free agents like Devin Funches who hasn't, you know what I'm saying? So I am very proud that they finally drafted a wide receiver in the second round. And I actually really like this guy. He sounds good, but all you did, it, it wasn't even like a lateral move. You're still worse on offense than you were last year. Yeah, right. I agree. Like, I'll give him a draft win. As a team win, I agree because you just – you basically traded – I know there's other mechanisms to it, but you draft – you traded the best or second-best wide receiver for a guy that looks awesome on film. He played at a small school, but he's a rookie, and unless he turns into Justin Jefferson, and then even if he turns into that, he's probably not going to be adept at – beating double teams like Devontae Adams was. He's probably not going to be, have the same rapport on what to do in these crazy broken plays. And if he is that good, he's going to get doubled. And then you're back to is Alan Lazard, Robert Tunyon, Amari Rogers. I think that was their third round pick with their wide mm-hmm. receiver last year, who again, he showed basically nothing last year. So I agree on for the Packers you should probably shoot higher as far as this is a team that you want to win a Super Bowl. And it's hard to win a Super Bowl if you're going to roll out uh, Watson, Amari Rodgers, Alan Lazard, and Randall Cobb if he's still healthy by the time you get to the playoffs. Like he just, I agree for a team. But as far as the draft, I'll give him credit for, you know, filling in some needs and finally getting a guy. But like I said, when we talked to, when you talked, especially about the dysfunction of the organization, I think this is where it shows where you go, okay, Aaron, here's your big guy that's similar size, probably a little faster than Devontae Adams. It's on you to make this work with the rookie guy that's going from, not from Alabama or Georgia to the NFL. He's going from North Dakota State, bumping up five levels, you know, to get to the NFL. And if he's going to be legit, then he's going to get the best corner. Yeah, and that's the thing is, even if he ends up 80% of Devontae Adams, or 70% of Devontae Adams this year, you're in the same spot you were last year. You have one really good pass catcher and nobody else is going to step up because we ha- they haven't. They haven't. Why, why would we expect, you know, Lazard in his fifth year or, or uh, St. Brown? I think they still have him. Who You know, Amari Rogers, maybe he he's like just going to come out in the second his second year and be good. That'd be great for them. If they would have kept Devontae Adams, I would have loved their draft. You know, if you take away that first round pick that they, uh, the, the guy, um, uh, Walker or whatever his name was, yeah. I, I, I yeah, just Walker. moved off them. I'm sorry. Yeah. Walker. <laughs> uh, if, if you, if you would have kept Adams and had the same exact draft, I would have loved the Packers draft, but, and, and, but it's just like, you're trading a hall of fame player for an unknown. So I, I, I give you credit for doing what you should have done this year. And I give you credit that you you know you, you know you did something you should have done even three years ago 
that's great, but I just don't know if this makes you a, I feel like they're better, a little bit better defensively after the bat draft, you know, after their off season slash draft, they're a little better defensively and a little worse offensively in their So, so they're in the same exact boat they were last year, kind of as a team. That's how I feel. Yeah. So, so they can lose 13 to 10 to Jared Goff. No, they, some other mediocre quarterback when Aaron Rodgers can't score. So yeah, yeah I would agree. I agree. Team building. I'm totally on the same page with you. I just, in fairness to all the Packer fans that out there, we're probably all freaking out because <laughs> I do the same thing with my friends and they're like, I get the text messages. Well, no one's had more winning records than the Packers over the last 20 years. And you're like, blah, 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 blah. Well, that- um, but in fairness to them, I will give them when, as much as I don't like the Packers, when teams do something good or out of the box than they should be, I'm fine giving them credit for the draft. <laughs> that, that's fair. And I'll give them credit too. I will just say uh, if you put Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers on any franchise, basically you're going to have 20 years of winning. Like that isn't the hard part. Okay. It's getting to the Super Bowl. That's, that's your expectation. If you're not getting to the Super Bowl, you're, you're failing your hall of fame quarterbacks. And that that's your responsibility to build around your hall of fame quarterbacks as well. So anyway, agreed. Okay, let me go to um, uh, another loser I had was the Jacksonville Jaguars. I kind of have them as a loser. Sorry, Luke, but Luke wasn't pretty, you know, he was, he'd probably be like, you know, Ryan, you're probably right. So, um, you know, again, I, I, I look at the same with, um, with the, what the Jets did with Zach um, Wilson. They got him a good weapon. They're trying to build around him. Uh, Trevor Lawrence was one of the most pressured quarterbacks last year. And they did, I mean, they got a third round center, but I don't think that's enough to fix their offensive line problems. I really wish they would have drafted uh, either Neil or um, Icky Kamu uh, in the first round with that first pick, because, you know, um, Walker is a high risk, high reward type player. And I feel like Jacksonville just needs really good players right now. Like people that they know are going to be really good and to protect Trevor Lawrence. So to me, I wasn't impressed with their draft. I don't think they got good weapons for uh, Lawrence and they aren't trying to protect them. So fail for the losers, losers for the Jaguars. Trent Polky. Yeah, exactly. We should spend the next 20 minutes just giving Luke a bunch of things to think about, but, <laughs> but yeah, I, I agree with, you know, the Falcons are another team that the Falcons, the Jaguars, they're another team that's just all over the, all over the place. And they make sense for a little bit and then they make no sense and you just keep resetting. And I don't know, they never seem like they have a plan from year one to year five. It's just plan. Nope. Didn't work how we want. Let's come up with a new one and scrap everything. I heard too that there was a lot of disconnect between the front office, the coach and the coaching staff of who to pick in the draft. And I'm like, yeah, that doesn't sound like a good thing either. So you just hire your coach and you guys are not on the same page. You hired him this off season, this off season, you should be on the same page at this point. But anyway, <laughs> oh, it's so crazy. Um, you got one more for us. Um, I'll go with the loser. I spoiled it because I called the Jaguars, the Falcons, but I was just going to go with the Falcons. Simply, I, I wasn't a huge Drake London fan. Like, okay. Some of the things just, that just broke down with him, like, I mean, he didn't get much separation in college. He's a lot of people called him like a, like a jump ball, high ball receiver, like Vincent Jackson going back a little bit. But, oh, yeah, sure. You know, like Vincent Jackson was good, but 
Um, I don't know if the first receiver off the board, if your, your high mark is, this is a guy that didn't get open, open much in college. And we're just going to throw some uh, Mike Evans, Vincent Jackson um, jump balls to him and hope that he can come down with more than half of them. So it's not terrible, but I just feel, you know, the guy they got from Penn state fine. Their linebacker from Montana state seemed like he seems a little undersized and, you know, not like you're shooting for the stars here. So, and I mean, they got their quarterback, Desmond Ritter. I don't know. I, I almost feel like if you're not really sold on a quarterback, you know, taking a third round pick for a quarterback shirt, they had extra third, they had several third round picks, but I don't know. They're going to be bad next year. So <laughs> maybe yeah. save it to the following year. Cause if you're bad next year and you get the first pick and, or the first, a top two pick and there's quarterbacks out there, it's not like your Desmond Ritter is going to stop you from uh, picking a top quarterback next year. So. Yeah, it's a, that's a good point. I, I didn't watch a lot of drink London. I heard a lot about him being a jump ball receiver. I think Kuiper really likes him, Mel Kuiper, but I do think that if it's hard for you to create separation in college, the NFL is just going to be 10 times worse because everybody's just as fast and quick and as athletic as you are. So he might, he, he has to be, he's going to have to be a really good jump ball receiver to, to be productive in the NFL. Um, I, I will give them credit though, for not like, and maybe a winner. I, I didn't put this down, but a sneaky winner are for any team desperate for a quarterback. Like the fact that nobody reached on a quarterback, because I don't know about you, but I thought, you know, like there was that year with, uh, I think Jake Locker and yeah. Christian e. Ponder. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and it was like just a horrible draft, you know, but they were being picked in like the top half of the first round. And I'm just like that, that's a bad, you know, QB class, you know, in hindsight, but um, it very well could have happened this year again. Like, but teams who were desperate for a quarterback, none of them reached. I, I'm surprised like Malik Willis, Ritter, and there was one other one, Howell, Sam Howell. They all went beyond the, the second, third round, you know, second, third round picks and, and nobody reached in the first for those guys. Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, maybe, maybe one of them will be the Russell Wilson type. I mean, he went mm-hmm. like in the third round um, or fourth round to the Seahawks years ago, but I think it also helps those guys too, because they're not, there's no pressure now. Correct. You know, like when the Bills moved up to draft EJ Manuel and like two <laughs> games in, you're like, um, this isn't looking how we thought from the guy we drafted. This way, none of the guys are under pressure. No one expects they won. Here comes Malik Willis. It's just if they win the job, they win the job. And if they win the job, if Desmond Ritter wins the job, awesome. That means your pick turned out. Marcus Mariota, you have him for a year or two. He can be, he's used to being the backup anyhow. So it is good restraint. I, I was thought the same thing. I didn't think they would go high like that year, like Jake Locker and all those guys. But I thought when we got to the back half of the twenties, some of those teams, someone would trade up to 29, 30, 32, and you'd have three of the quarterbacks go right at the end of the first round. But um, I will give teams that no one, no one went quarterback crazy for a guy that could in shorts, throw the ball 65 yards while going one way and everyone be amazed. Yeah, no, I, I will say that I was a little disappointed when Willis was dropping because he's supposed to be the highest upside. And, you know, like as a, as somebody who backs the Detroit lions, I thought, Oh, this would be a good flyer in the third, fourth round. But again, if you don't love the guy, 
don't draft him because you, 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 maybe not third or fourth, but sometimes you can tie your, your, yourself to these guys. And if they fail, you're, you don't have a job anymore. So you got to love who you draft, you know? So that was good. But I was, I thought Willis, you know, uh, he went in the third, didn't he? Um, or the I second. So, yeah. Oh yeah. Third. I think it was yeah. the third. He fell pretty far. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, let me, um, talk about my last winner Eagles. Eagles are my last winner, the Philadelphia Eagles. The A.J. Brown trade I thought was excellent. They're, again, just building around Jalen Hurd, um, Hurts um, that he he can't fail. Like, if, if, if he fails, it's on him. Uh, they drafted Jordan Davis, who's going to eventually replace Flex, uh, Fletcher Cox, and they drafted that center on the Nebraska there, which will replace Kelsey. Uh, but both those can still, uh, both those players will, you know, they can contribute this year too, you know? So I just think the way, and then they got that linebacker from Georgia who fell because of medical issues, but apparently he's fine according to him. And maybe he will say that regardless, but um, you know, if, if that works, they got like a second, first round talent in the third round. So I really liked what the Eagles did. And for right, like if I had to pick right now, I think they're my favorites to come out of the East. I, I really liked what they did in the draft. And I do count AJ Brown as one of their draft picks because they traded for him on draft night. Yeah. I told the Eagles would have totally been one of my winners. I couldn't remember who took Nicobe Dean. And as I was going and when you talked about the Eagles, I was like, that's where he went. Cause yeah. When the 49ers first pick was 61, and I know they have three good linebackers, but I'm like, I don't know, the, the tape on this dude. and But it sounds like his medicals were a little rough. But again, at the pick they have, and the Eagles never have actual good linebackers. They have linebackers right. that get a lot of tackles, but you're usually like five yards down the field tackles. So um, they're not really doing anything. So yeah, with A.J. Brown, you, also, you solve a couple problems. One, I do agree. They have such a good running game. They should probably be favorites in the East. And if Jalen Hurts can't throw the ball after this year, they still have future picks and they'll, they can move up or start the uh, quarterback carousel and find someone else to get. But you're, you're, you're basically giving him no excuse why he can't be at least a good game managing quarterback that can run because you got deep threats now. You got AJ, yeah, AJ Brown. I mean, you kind of have no excuses not to at least look competent throwing the ball. I agree, and I think they still have Gardner Minshew, right? Is he? He was their backup last he, year. Yeah, I don't know if he's a free agent or not. But if if they still have him, I should check that out. But but he's he's a he's a really competent backup and is probably better than like five starters in the NFL right now. So like he, he'll be fine if, if you have to go to him with that. And, and like you said, maybe start over at quarterback next year. Okay. Before we move on, Clint, any last um, draft thoughts? Um, no, I mean, the 49ers didn't do anything. <laughs> Their second round pick. I, I was fine. They always draft, they find good defensive linemen, but. I know it's a Kyle Shanahan thing. I think he's done it every year. They draft some stupid running back in the third round. And I don't know. I, as much as I try not to be a homer, I'm like, look, you drafted, uh, what's his Trey uh, out of Ohio State last year. Oh, yes. Um, yeah. I don't know who you're talking about. Yeah. He didn't play a but whole lot last year. 
he he bombed you know he went into the the doghouse and they got elijah mitchell in the six but i think they just draft too many guys that get hurt running backs Mm -hmm. so they took a third round pick on the guy from lsu he looks awesome great i'm sure he'll put up decent numbers but again jeff wilson i think he was undrafted or like a six round pick all these guys they come up with like running backs are a dime a dozen unless you think you have an elite talent so but they do it every year and i just hey kyle shanahan will make the guy probably look decent but um i just even when it's my own team i don't know like really you had to well, don't take him in the third round. There's something so special about this guy. You're like, right, what, is he going to be better than Elijah Mitchell next year? Like, probably not. So, yeah, that's that's funny. But but they'll all end up in Miami in three years. So don't, yeah. don't so they'll just you know, cycle through in like two years. Elijah Mitchell after breaking something three more times and wearing down, then he'll go and he'll end up with the Jets or the Dolphins, and then you know he'll look good for a year or two. But um, yeah. So well, the Dolphins. The Dolphins grabbed Matt Breida last year who came from San Francisco and this year they picked up uh, Mostert. So yeah. I'm just saying in three years, they'll end up with Mitchell or that Trey. Yeah. Like it yeah. just, and the Dolphins fine it, for fantasy football. It's stupid when all these teams have all these running backs, but it makes <laughs> sense. Like if you're the Dolphins, just great. These guys are going to get hurt. So if he's good for four games and then he pulls a hammy next guy up, he can basically do the same thing. So. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Uh, and as far as my team goes, they didn't have a ton of draft picks. I do like the receiver they picked out, uh, but it was hilarious because they drafted this quarterback in the sixth round. And I was looking up like us, I I'd never heard of him before. I was looking up a scouting report on him and it said uh, he had injury issues, but they said, so one of the weaknesses was is previous histories, uh, injury history with upper body knees and ankles and i was like well what's left <laughs> what's left he's so, broken every bone in his body that's why he fell like well that probably makes sense so I, yeah it was just the weirdest thing that that was considered like it was a seventh round pick his name was skylar thompson out of kansas state but it was just so funny because upper body knees ankles i'm like what's left what's you know are they gonna take his hips and put them into tua and then tua has fresh hips you know <laughs> like yeah. make one good quarterback yeah it's a total side there the um san antonio spurs drafted a guy dewan blair years ago that had mm. no acls he tore both of them enough that they he just didn't have acls and you're like okay this guy is you know he was a decent bench player, but he only lasted a few years. Cause you're like, you have no ACL. So the same thing you're like, well, his feet are bad. His knees are bad. <laughs> his throwing shoulder dislocates sometimes, but you know, he's got potential. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's hilarious. I remember Blair. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, I just thought that was the funniest thing I've read on a scouting report in a long time. Okay. Well, you want to talk a little bit about the NBA playoffs? Let's do it. Okay, let's do it. So what me and Clint are going to do now is we're just going to preview uh, the last four, uh, the, the, the four series that we are going to be watching in the second round of the NBA playoffs. It'll be very brief, and then we'll predict the winner. We got to watch two games today. So uh, we got to watch the Bucks and Celtics and the Bucks winning, and then the Warriors in Memphis, and the Warriors winning a close one by one point. Uh, so let's start with the Bucks and Celtics because obviously you're a Bucks fan. Uh, so uh, just give me your thoughts on the series, uh, what you expect and who you think is going to win it. 
So I'm going to talk out of both sides of my mouth with this one. Okay, that's fine. We're recording after the series started. So prior to the series starting, I thought the Celtics were going to win in six, which they obviously still could for uh, obvious reasons. I didn't think the, the Bucks would be able to score, um, which they did okay today. Um, and I just, I thought that the Celtics would be physical and wear them down. Um, on the other side, I overestimate, I overrated, underestimated, sorry, that the, the Bucks would do the same thing to the Celtics. And, um, you know, Jason Tatum, I think he is horrible at the rim with Brooke Lopez throughout his whole career. So it still makes me nervous. I'm trying not to be like super high bucks and four. We got this because it's one game and the Celtics can make some changes, but I liked what I saw as far as they were aggressive. I thought before the series, the two things the bucks had to do is play out of the post more than you would see um, in this brand of basketball, simply because it's easier to diagnose where the Celtics are going to double from and they're going to double Giannis. They're not going to let him go for 50 points, uh, which held true. And the Celtics don't have a point guard. Like I know Marcus smart plays a point guard and he's fine half court. He can pass the ball. He plays defense, but drew holiday being up in them, any of their guys dribbling, the bucks were in the backcourt, not hard pressing a few times. They hard pressed him, but making the Celtics take six seconds to get over half court and you're limiting what the Celtics are going to get into. You limit, you know, some of their ball movement. So if they can do that, then I think the Bucks can break them. And I think breaking them by just mentally, like ah, we don't got nothing against them. I think, yeah. And I think there's a couple of things working with the Bucks. Number one, they're sort of the underdogs in the series somehow. I like, so they were the champs last year and there's a lot of people picking the, the Celtics to beat the Bucks. So I think they have the chip on their shoulder. Like you really were the underdogs somehow. And obviously it's maybe it could be because of the seed, but I think people are over, and this is also working for the Bucks, overrating how good the nets were. Right. And how dominant, like they act like the, the Celtics just destroyed the nets and we obviously talked about this already, but it was only 18 points combined for, for, for the four games that they won by. It wasn't like they dominated them. And the Nets have one of the worst defenses in the NBA. And they, it's because they're small, you know, like, and we already talked about that as well. But now the Celtics have to first a more physical and comparable as far as like height goes. They have like... Brooke Lopez, it's hard. You, you're not going to be able to play him off the court. He's going to make his free throws. He can hit the long shot. It's not like you're play, playing uh, Claxton and uh, Andre Drummond, right? You actually got somebody who can be a threat. Uh, Bobby Portis, he tries hard. He's a solid player. He's 6'9". You know, uh, Holiday, he's going to be able to guard anyone. Matthews, sort of the same thing. So, and then obviously you got the best player in the league right now. Despite him shooting eight of 24 today. I think that's what his, his shooting was. And by the way, he, he, uh, uh, there was a stat that he shot 52% this year against the Celtics. So it was an off game by his standards, even against the Celtics, uh, you won by 12 points. Like the bucks won by 12, despite him shooting that bad, but he still got a triple double, which I think 
people are underestimating with that that doubles that they've been doing how good Giannis has been as a pastor this year so I personally had this series going seven um, beforehand. So I, like you kind of, I'm speaking out of a little bit of both sides of my mouth where I kind of thought the Celtics would win in seven. I thought it would be a hard fought physical series and it still could happen, obviously, but home court advantage did not matter in this series. Like some what, people, what, what, ben, <laughs> what, what Bill Simmons tell me again about having game seven at home. Yeah. How important that is. Right. So <laughs> The Bucks can win at win on the road. They can win at home. So that's not that big of a deal. If after this game, I say I think it's going to be Bucks and six now. But just for it, uh, being um, fair, not cheating the process, I would have said Celtics and seven. That's what I yeah. would have said to start the podcast. It's not because I. Th- I just think, you know, maybe a little bit of like having Game Seven at home will be nice. But I just felt like they're they're tall, they're physical, and missing Middleton. That was a big thing. Like they're missing. If they had Middleton, I would have had Bucks and Six. They're missing Middleton. That was big to me. But I feel like they've shown that they can kind of overcome that. And I think I might have overrated how good the Celtics offense is because of how bad the Nets defense was. If that makes sense. Yeah. Well, in a lot of the podcasts, you know, the national ones that never actually watch the Bucks, um, and then you listen to them. Um, they kept talking about how the Bucks are going from the Bulls, who, no offense, Gavin, are ju- they just weren't that good, and the Bucks could do whatever they wanted against them for the most part. To, as uh, Bill Simmons called it, the best defense since the Bad Boy Pistons or whatever. But, which I agree, there's there's definitely a change of play from the Bulls to the um, Celtics. But like you said, the Celtics are going from layup line to take out the regular season when the Bucks play defense, <laughs> they're, yeah. they're almost just as good as the Celtics. They don't have quite the versatility without Middleton and Middleton's lost some of his athleticism, but you're not getting in there in the paint and scoring. And one of the crazy stats, um, I think it's either nine or one and 10 or one, 10 and one after this, when teams shoot more than 48 threes against the Bucks attempts, the Bucks are now 10 and one. And the Celtics, I think, shot 50 or 52 today, um, which it seems counterproductive. But again, I thought the key to the series is everyone laughed at, you know, Wes Matthews on Jason Tatum and Jason Tatum's bigger. Great. But if Jason Tatum is going to shoot and he's going to try to get past, Brooke Lopez is right there. And Robert Williams is awesome on the boards. Um, but if, if you get the Celtics into Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum playing one-on-one, it totally takes away the advantage of ball movement. They have good shooters getting them open. But again, if Marcus Smart is hurt, if he can't play or he's limited like he was the second half, Derek White, not much of a shooter himself. Right. He's fine defensively, but he is much smaller and Drew Holiday will take his lunch. So um, Marcus Smart injury would be huge if he's even limited. I mean, he looked like he got banged up like seven times today. So um, like you said, initially I would have picked the Celtics. Just it's my uh, never trust the Bucks mantra from all those years of being a fan. And, you know, there's part of me that saw it last year and like, I know they can do it, but the other part of you is like the Celtics have been so good and I still, you know, Bud could win four more titles and it would be a playoff series against Eric Spolstra. And I'd be worried that uh, Bud, <laughs> Bud wouldn't make an adjustment, but I just, 
game two will be telling if they can keep, if, if game two is close, even at the Celtics win, if it's a close game, cause the Celtics, they got to come out with whatever, whatever their best stuff is for game two, cause they can't go down 2-0 against the Bucks and have to come back to Milwaukee. Um, I think game two will be telling if, if they can keep this up, keep it close, then I think I would favor the Bucks to win it. And I'll tell you what, if, if you know, the middle Ten thing, you know, not to just, I'm just going to jump back to it. If they're able to win without Middleton, man, I'm just, man, I don't know what to say. Like, I don't, I don't see anyone beating them when he comes back. It's just like, um, and then, then it makes you wonder, like, does that make Middleton expendable? Like, would you, I'm just kidding. Like, you know. I was, I was joking all day too. Like, so what can we get for Chris Middleton if we try to No, But I think when you have three guys, you know, like, and it's not Harden, Durant, and Kyrie, where you have three just no. dynamic no. guys. But when all three of them are out there, someone has to take a back seat. And it's usually Drew Holiday because he's only been here for this is the second season. So when he, when Drew is more aggressive, I mean, he, I don't think he, he didn't shoot great today, but he got 25 points. He's a nightmare on defense and you can work around it. So you're right. If Chris Middleton can come back and they can, maybe slowly work him in where he's not handling the ball as much as I, I think they, they let Chris Middleton handle the ball too much after last year. And he was, he slowed down this year. Maybe it's good that he's going to have a couple weeks off or whatever. To, yeah, <laughs> to that's true. Up. Yeah. But yeah, yeah I, I, I was impressed. Like as much as I didn't think I would be impressed after what they did last year, like that, that game of the bucks showing what it's like when you win a title and just really, hammer down to it even I was like holy cow I mean having Giannis on your team is like all these years the Bucks have never had that type of player and you watch Jordan and you watch Kobe and all these guys and you're like man that must be awesome to be like that that's the dude and now the Bucks have the dude and you're like this isn't Kevin Garnett you know this isn't Kevin Garnett at the rim there uh Celtics where you can just go up over him or go through him I'm like this is Brooke Lopez and Giannis like you know sit yeah. down I agree in that uh, that one play where he alley ooped himself. That was that was great. That was great. I just want to throw that out there. Okay, let's talk about the next game. Uh, the other game we got to watch was the Warriors beat Memphis. I think it was one eighteen to one seventeen, um, just by one point. Uh, John Morant missed a layup to win the game, but um, or or take the lead. I, I think they got the shoot. Yeah, it was for the. Yeah, it was to win. Okay, it was to win. Okay, so uh, what's your take on that series and uh, who you got winning that one? Uh, the Warriors are making me feel dumb all year. I told you, I that, oh, said my, that too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, my hot take was the Warriors would destroy the Suns in like five games, and then when we did the playoff preview, I was all worried and picked the the Grizzlies to get past the Warriors. But it, uh, the, the Warriors, same as the Bucks, they just showed when you have guys that have wanted and know what it takes. And the Grizzlies, they played good, but you know, they, they got out of their series against Minnesota because Minnesota was stupid in fourth quarters of games and just mm-hmm. folded and both in it, they helped out. Both teams were inexperienced and the Grizzlies just had more, you know, defensive intensity, but I think their inexperience is really going to show. And like at the end of this game, Sorry, Avery. It drove me nuts. Like the Warriors scored with 36 seconds left. And then John Morant just walked it up instead of getting the two for one, you know, mm. walked it up, got blocked and uh, by Steph Curry. And then, you know, it was kind of just downhill after that. And that last play, 
that's a hard layup to make when it looked like the Warriors knew what was happening. So I think the inexperience of the Grizzlies is just, I'm sure they'll get a game or so, but I think the inexperience is just the Warriors are locked in right now. Yeah, I picked Memphis to make the finals, um, but Curry looks like Curry. Uh, you know, obviously he came in the playoffs. They were wondering whether he was going to be Curry because uh, of his injury. He, he looks fine. The team looks fine. They lost uh, Draymond Green at some point in the game with a double double technical or a flag, fl- yeah. flagrant two, which I thought was kind of a ridiculous call. I mean, I, yeah, I, I get like- – yeah, I don't ahead. like Draymond either, but I was yeah. like, man, this, this, all right, this is the playoffs. Like, okay, he didn't like wind up and whack him. So, yeah, he whatever. just pulled his jersey. And, and maybe a flagrant one is fine, but a flagrant two, it's just like, come on, guys. Like, let's not, let's not do that. He didn't kick anyone in, in below the belt. You know what I'm saying? He didn't do that this time. So, anyway, but the, them winning without Draymond for half the game, basically, I think that was a very positive thing for the Warriors. Um, and I think the Warriors are going to win this series now. And I got the Warriors winning in six. Yeah. So. I, I, that's what I would pick five or six. I, I just, I don't know. I think I just, I think it's just going to run out on them. And the, the Grizzlies do have decided it, especially with Draymond out, they had for stretches of that game decided advantages with size and mm-hmm. some athleticism, but the Warriors are just so smart and they run those plays and, like even on that game winning three by, by Clay Thompson, just they ran the curl and he almost always just catches and shoots and he head faked and the guy goes flying by and then he's got his open shot. So it's a successful year for the Grizzlies. I mean, I guess this is going to sound dumb if they come back and win this series, if there's an injury or something, but I just, I just think this is probably a bad matchup for them. Just experience wise, because Golden State knows exactly what to do. They're not going to panic with 30 seconds left. They're going to come down and take the two for one. They're going to do all those things to just manage that end of the game to give them the best of the chance, best chance. And, you know, the Grizzlies are going to, they have those uh, Oklahoma city thunder, excuse me, thunder fives where they're just young and they're just, you know, riding a tailwind right now. Yeah. I think, I think they're one of those teams and I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but if they are eliminated, I totally expect them to make a move to make their team better, like a two for one or three for one trade. I like Bain. He's going to be a good player. Uh, Triple J he hit, he was, uh, he was really good in this game. So they, they have a lot to look forward to, but I think you're right. The inexperience is catching up to them in this series. Okay. Let's talk about the heat 76ers real quick. What, what What's your takeaway? Um, so, f- you know, what, what are we taking away from this series? What do you think is going to happen? What's your prediction? Well, with Embiid out the first two games, um, uh, I don't think it's looking great for the Sixers. Like, I mean, I, I totally ate my words with uh, <laughs> round one, picking wow. the Raptors. And, yeah. and as I told Luke after our podcast, when we were talking last time, still watching that series minus the first game and a half, I totally felt it went kind of how I thought it was. I just didn't expect the Sixers to shoot above 40% in all but one game from three. So I'll take the loss on that one. But this one without Embiid, if Miami takes these first two games, Embiid or not, I mean, I don't think they're going to win four or five against um, Miami. And I think Jimmy Butler is, he likes to stick it to his old teams or people he feels uh, shorted him. Yeah, I feel like if if uh, Harden, who shot, 
I, I should double check, but the last time I checked, he shot 37% in that series. Maybe, maybe he got it up a little bit. I don't know. But um, against that team, I think he's going to have just as much, if not more problems because this team's more physical than, than the Raptors and they're switchable as well. So I feel like that's going to be a problem for James Harden. So I don't see how James Harden is going to carry the, maybe he'll surprise me. Uh, let's do it. James Harden. This is your time to shine. You know, if you show up the next two games, that's going to be huge for your team. So, uh, but I, I just don't see that happening. I think there's a clear coaching advantage between Eric Spolstra over, over doc rivers. I actually have the Sixers losing this series in five or six games, especially because partly, Embiid's out. If Embiid was playing, I probably would pick the Heat in seven, but I think because Embiid's out the first two games, and who knows how he's going to be after that, because I think he'll have to wear a mask and and all that stuff. So uh, I imagine that he he won't be quite the same. So I, I, yeah. Anyway, I'm I'm picking the the Heat in five yeah. or six. Yeah. I I would have went with prior to the injury Sixers in seven, just the size advantage, and I think. The advantage Philadelphia healthy with Embiid would have is in order for Miami to score, they need like Tyler Hero on the floor, Duncan Robinson or Max Strauss, and those guys aren't defenders. So for either Maxie or Harden, one of them might be able to get loose when you got to stick to Embiid. You know, they don't want to give him and Bam is good defender, but he's on the smaller side too. So obviously, yeah. Yeah, without Embiid and even Embiid with the sore thumb, like Miami's not going to be afraid to take some um, swipes at the ball when, <laughs> when right, it's in right. his right hand. And I, yeah, so I would pick Miami in six, assuming Embiid. I mean, he's already out for the first two games. So if Miami just shows up, wins the first two games, I don't know how they don't win the series in five or six after that. Oh, yeah, I agree. I agree. Okay, let's talk about the last series Mavs versus the Suns. Um, Suns had a little bit of a struggle there. Mavs kind of, I know that the Utah could have won the game if um, Bojanovich yeah. would have hit the wide open three. He didn't. But uh, what what are you looking forward to this series, and what do you think the prediction, uh, your prediction is? Uh, I think this this is a better matchup for the Suns, um, which is weird. Yeah, like you would. I, I was going to say that is a little weird. Yeah, you would have thought the way that, uh, you know, when you beat a team like 24 more wins than the, the Pelicans, but which is also kind of a red flag for me for the Suns when they play like a, a legit, te- like, you know, if they have to play the Warriors or the Bucks or even the Celtics, like any of those teams, like I think the Suns might um, get a little exposed. But I don't think the Mavericks don't have those mid-range shooters. They're just, they're basically five out and Luca makes something happen and he'll make something happen and they'll do go crazy from three a game or two. But um, I just, I think this is a matchup with the limited maneuverability of the Mavericks that as long as Devin Booker doesn't repull his hamstring, I think the Suns would win in five or six. I'll go. Oh, six. Okay. Yeah. I have the uh, Suns winning, but I think I'm going to go with seven. I think if you th- like think about the game that Chris Paul had that everybody praised him for. He was 14 to 14. They still won only one by six points. So it's not like they destroyed the Pelicans and uh, the Pelicans made, I think every game except maybe one was like close. So um, 
the Mavericks are a better team than the Pelicans. I, I would say I, I would imagine they don't have someone defensively like Herb Jones. I think that guy is a really good defender, but I would say more they have more offensive firepower than the Pelicans do. I, I do like a Bullock and Harden as far as uh, Hardaway, not Harden, Hardaway <laughs> as far as like three point shooters. And then they got Brunson and then um, what's his name? Uh, Luca, right? So I think it's going to be a fun series. I know that the Mavericks loves love to slow the game down. So as long as they can slow the game down, I think games are going to be close. I think that favors the Suns because they're one of the best clutch teams in the league, but I still think it goes seven is my prediction, but I have the Suns winning that in seven. Yeah. I I love the Chris Paul love fest over a team that was so bad that they barely made the play in and he's going against a, an undrafted (laughs) five foot 10 looking guy. And it's like, Oh, Chris Paul is amazing. And you're like, okay. Yeah. Against the AC seed, that was really a 10th seed or whatever. Like congratulations. It took you, six games to beat a team that was atrocious most of the season. Yeah. And then, yeah, I don't know. I, I just find that fat. Like, it's f- so funny because it goes back to like even the Celtics and Nets. We, uh, for some reason, like it's so like people, I guess they don't want to consider like context in all of this. It's like, Oh, he went 14 and 14. Who, who was covering him? Oh, some guy who wasn't drafted. I think he kicked him below the belt. Uh, what play like, he did nothing happened to him. He didn't get a flagrant too. What, what's up with that? But anyway, um, he, uh, he did that and then he goes and but the team, the Suns team, which I, I feel like is one thing that, and we talked about this after the podcast, but something that I was like, I'm glad I brought up on our podcast when we did the predictions for the Eastern Western conference that the Suns were a regular season team. They took it the most seriously. So you have to watch out for them in the playoffs because they're not going to be as good in the playoffs as they were in the regular season. I felt like I was uh, vindicated in that first series. So I would agree. And the Suns, they, they should probably hope to beat Dallas in five because they, Chris Paul only has so many (laughs) playoff games before he gets hurt. And they, they had to go six, five tough games. Uh, You know, one of them, I don't think was close five tough games where he had to play a lot of minutes. And now if, if Dallas is going to give you a fight and you got to go six or seven games again, um, you know, and even in those games, there's a few games that he was wearing out against the Pelicans. And then he put it together at the to all together in game six there, but um, it doesn't bode well if they're going to take another six or seven games and then have to play. Uh, I mean, even if it's Memphis, Memphis has guys that are going to get up on them and bump them and push them around. So um, this is probably their last series where if they're going to, if they're going to show it that, you know, they should dispatch quickly. Cause after this, it's just going to be probably the warriors. And then I think whoever wins buck Celtics is going to go to the finals. So, and both of those teams are just, they're going to be Marcus, Marcus smart. If it's the Celtics is just going to be up in Chris Paul for 94 feet and drew holiday did it to him last year. So yeah, that's their, uh, their weakness. If, if they keep putting big minutes on, especially Chris Paul. No, I, that's a great point. Yeah, I totally agree. Okay. Anything else on the NBA playoffs? Um, no, I will save my uh, Trey young slander and we already did it afterwards, but you know, like Trey young, DeMar DeRozan, sorry, Gavin, just I'll save all the slander and uh, we'll have a hot takes podcast. One of these times. Yeah. I think we'll have a end of the season podcast and we can do like some takeaways and winners and losers throughout the playoff slash season. That would be kind of fun. I will say that I, I really believe that if 
if Damar DeRozan was a B instead of an A, he would be a better player. Uh, just going to yeah. throw that out there. Batman instead yeah. of, I mean, Robin right. instead of Batman, you know, whatever and, you want. But. Yeah, that was kind of like my crux when we had the whole, is DeMar DeRozan better than Chris Middleton? And I agree, like, if he's the guy, sure, he's probably a little better because he's going to shoot the ball 30 times like he did in this series. He's just going to keep shooting. Um, but as far as, like, on a team, like, I don't know, you would never, you would never convince me that DeMar DeRozan on any team is a superior player just because like, even if he's a B in this year, like a, if they had someone better than him, the bulls, like he's just so limited in you need the mid range shooter. Great. He's not that much of a better shooter in the mid range than Chris Middleton. So any smaller. Um, so that was my only point in that is I like DeMar DeRozan. I just think in today's game, he looks great in stretches because teams just give him those shots. And then when the playoffs comes and teams are like, all right, we're still going to give you the mid range, but you're not going to be at the elbow every time. Like you want to, I'm like, we're just going to push you left. The bucks pushed him left for three games. And the dude had nothing, nothing. He had no idea what to do. The bucks just snaked him left and he was just lost. So I agree though. He needs to be, I think we, I don't know if it was on the pot or after the pot, he needs to be like the Clippers third man. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's, that's the thing is like even Middleton. I just don't know if like, like my thing, if we put him on the Bulls, right? Like I don't think the Bulls make the playoffs. You know, the same team. Well, like if, if you take off DeRozan, yeah, I, I think they'd be better. Oh, see, I don't think so at all. I, I think that um, he Middleton's fine. He's just not like I don't know. When I watch him dribble, I'm just like I don't think he's that good at like dribbling the basketball. You know, like like facilitating. I think uh, DeRozan's better at that. We'll have to, we'll, but we'll talk about this in depth later. We don't have to get into it. Kevin, come on, let's go. Yeah, <laughs> let's no. fight. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I just like Middleton. Nah. I, I love him with Giannis. I think that's like the perfect match. I love them two together. Um, but anyway, we, we can discuss it in a different podcast. Anything else besides DeRozan, Middleton? and that, That's it. Uh, Mitch okay. Trubisky. No, we covered that. Yeah, we no. got them all. We covered okay. all the bases. Ben, any Ben Simmons talk? No, I'm just kidding. No. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, everybody, thanks so much for listening. Thank you, Clint, for joining me today. Um, if you haven't yet, please follow me on Instagram at nuttybuddy underscore sports. It's when I show I drop podcasts. And also check out the YouTube channel, Nutty Buddy Sports. Uh, just put, post some clips on there. Uh, thanks so much for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed, and we will talk to you guys soon. Thank you.